He is risen. John 20, 27 through 28. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Once when I was a child, I, had, I was witness to a very strange occurrence, a scar competition. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these. Uh, it started when I was still living uh, on the farm with my parents and we were at, I think, church, or maybe it was the implement store. I can't remember exactly where, but one bloke started commenting about a recent scar and the pain that he had received getting it. Uh, well, that kick-started a whole conversation where these two guys were trying to story-top each other with their different stories and the greater and greater scars. One fellow finally won when he showed the play. There, a third guy pipes in, you know, between these two guys, and he wins the conversation when he showed the place of his missing finger and told the accompanying story. Uh, but this is a family environment, so I will spare you the gruesome detail. Scars tell stories. It is an interesting thing. When you think of God's marvelous machine, this human body and the choices he made, other animals walk and move in different ways than us. Some, uh, uh, when um, robotics experts try to look for ways to make robots walk, sometimes they choose things that are different from how we walk, where it's not very efficient, right? So there's all these different ways in which God could have created us. I don't know if you know this, but horseshoe crabs have blue blood. Did you know that? Uh, it's very, very unsettling. Uh, they use it for um, a variety of things because of their a lack of antibodies they have in horseshoe crab blood. It's used for cancer treatments and things like that. The point of all this is to say that God could have created us in any number of ways. And here's the thing that I think about. He could have created us with systems of healing that left no scar. He could have, right? No evidence of what had happened. Perhaps they are in some ways, some small way, some strange way, beneficial. They remind us of the things we ought not to do. I was a little boy, and I built a go-kart, yeah? Uh, and I was so excited to get it on the road and to uh, try it out that I left a rather large protruding screw uh, sticking out towards the sky. But I was so eager to get on it, uh, I thought to myself, well, what's the worst that could happen, Yeah. And I got it going, I got, got running behind it, got it going, and then I jumped on and proceeded to cut up my belly really bad. Caught that screw. Uh, and people have in the past then, or actually recently, they look at that scar and they think I had an appendicitis because it's that long and it's that big. It's really ugly. Well, the first thing I learned from that accident uh, and reminder is because of that scar is to slow down, yeah, be safe. There's always the possibility of accident and injury. I've gotten to the point in my life now, in my 40s, where uh, uh, I have important work to do here. And then, you know, there'll be something like maybe there's a, a, a shingle that needs to be replaced on a roof or there's something that needs to be done up high. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going up there because I'll fall and I'll break my ankle and then I'll be out of commission for three months. I just can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Got to slow down. Be safe. But that's not the end of the story. What I did after was worse. I hid the scar from my parents because I was very embarrassed that I had done it and they had actually told me not to ride the go-kart till they were there 
Yeah, but they were both at work, so I went out and did it anyway, without their supervision. So I hid a nasty uh, screw, uh, a scar from a rusty screw on my belly for three days until the pain got the better of me. And you can guess what happened. It got infected, and I had to have antibiotics. And then I had to have a whole series of tetanus shots so that I wouldn't get lockjaw uh, because I had used some poor building materials. These marks, they often remind us of the things that went wrong. Yeah? You have a scar that you got when you did something stupid or angry or did you ever do something maybe out of haste, right? I, I have scars like this. Our anger towards others or perhaps our anger towards God can lead us to do a lot of silly things. And then they become these silent reminders of that anger. We wonder if they'll ever really fade. And it's not just that. It's scars of sickness and disease, right? From surgeries, mastectomies, back surgeries, amputations, cuts. The evil of this world spreading out from the devil and his lies, it has infected us all. It causes sickness and disease, and in an effort to curb these things, we bear battle wounds. Doctors cut out tumors, do surgeries, try to repair the damage that sin has waged upon us and our bodies. But disease doesn't have to have physical signs. Perhaps there are marks on your body put there by yourself. Sometimes that happens. Scars and trauma because of the hurting and sadness that's inside your heart. The devil and the world want us to despair our situations, to think that there are no answers and no hope. He finds despair delicious and uses our tears to drive us and God apart. Perhaps we wonder, when will the scars I put on myself ever fade? When will they stop showing me all the times I had despair and sadness? I wonder then, I was thinking about this, I, I was reading a commentary and it was really interesting to think about this. I never really, it never really occurred to me before, but the apostles see Jesus on Sunday and then they tell Thomas on Sunday and then Thomas, I mean, it's not like they probably stopped telling him, right? We heard in our Acts story, that they're going into the temple every day to talk about Jesus. So then they're just going to tell Thomas once on Sunday and then never talk to him again for the rest of the week. No, they were probably hammering on Thomas all week long. And he just refused, would not believe. Because we know that because Jesus has to actually fix the problem, doesn't he? And our, it tells us clearly that Jesus is the one who actually finally gets, breaks through with Thomas. But he's in this, this just this constern place. He refuses to believe, not just for a day, for a whole week. I wonder what kind of scars Thomas bore. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, legend states, that we, we don't know how reliable this is, but there are, there are some early church uh, writings that suggest that Thomas was either a fisherman or a skilled carpenter. There's a story where he went to India and he was a builder there. Yeah? Uh, that's where Thomas was, was, did most of his mission work was in India. I know that uh, I have stuck my thumbs with hooks a few times while fishing, and I've definitely smashed a finger or two with a hammer, right? I wonder about the scars that he had, that Thomas himself had, on his fingers, on his hands, 
right? Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. It's got to be like these, this close, this real. I got to not just see him, I got to touch him because that'll make it real, right? That'll, that'll prove. Much like the gospel in chapter 24 of Luke, this is really telling statement. Jesus shows up to, to the disciples and Luke writes it down as, uh, and for fear, uh, for disbelief and marveling, which uh, in, in Greek you could kind of translate to English, they just, they thought it was too good to be true. They were so happy and so overjoyed that they couldn't believe it, right? Maybe this is the situation that Thomas is in. It's just too good of a story to be true. Thomas can see what happens after he hurts himself, right? After his skin was cut and torn, the only way he would believe is if he saw those scars on Jesus. I've, I've seen it, and I've got to see it in his hands as well. The gruesome souvenir <coughs> of crucifix experience. Thomas has a few other lines in the gospel that are notable, and the other one is of doubt, of lack, or faith, or misunderstanding. This one you've probably heard before. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's hard to swallow this level of disbelief from Thomas. He wants hard and fast evidence. This joy is too great. The possibilities too enormous of having eternal life and salvation. He doesn't want to just see Jesus. He wants to see the marks of his suffering. He wants to touch them. For a week, Thomas sits in unbelief, and no doubt, I have to imagine a certain amount of pain. He's still in post-Good Friday, not in Easter Sunday. In a certain amount of pain, wondering if such things can be true, and then refusing to answer that question because eyes and fingers need proof. Jesus doesn't need to answer his question. He doesn't need to break down the the barriers of unbelief, but in his great love, he does, right? Like, he could just kind of say to Thomas, I'm done with you, I don't want to deal with you, but instead, he changes him. He restores him, much like Peter. He offers them peace, and then he turns to Thomas, and this is a really cool part, maybe you never caught it, he addresses a question that he was never there to hear, right? Thomas speaks when Christ isn't there, unless I do this, unless I do this, and then Jesus turns to him and gives him the answer that Thomas said when he wasn't even there to hear the question that Thomas gave, right? Put your finger here. See my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And when Jesus gives command, we know this from Genesis, mountains form out of the heart of the sea. Animals and plants come to life. This word of God creates. And here in this very moment with Thomas, it creates faith. He rebukes Thomas's faith and orders it to believe. Thomas is reborn, a full-fledged witness to the glory of God. He has only one answer, my Lord and my God. Those scars, the scars of Jesus, they bore the weight of the whole world. 
the whole sin of all creation pinned down, pressing down on pinned wrists and ankles. And your Christ pushed back against that pain, against that suffering to pay the penalty that you owe. We may not get to read them like Braille, like our hymn suggests, but the scars of Jesus bring with them the hope and joy that Christ has paid the penalty we owe and won for us eternal life. People often ask me, they say, Pastor, uh, often it's in confirmation, yeah? <clears throat> we, will we know Jesus when he returns? Like, we've never seen him face to face. We have assumptions of what he looked like, but we don't know. So will, will we know him when he comes? And I always start by saying, don't worry. It'll be obvious. You'll know when he returns. But then I remind them that they will know Christ because they will know him by his scars. They will know him by his suffering. You will know him by the hands, the marks in his hand, the marks in his feet, and the mark in his side. They will read those marks like a great love letter to his people. I loved you so much that I bore this suffering in your place. I wonder if Thomas finally understood what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, when he saw those scars on that wonderful Sunday. Sometimes I wonder if we will bear our scars in the new heavens and new earth. Our scars do tell a story of our sufferings and trials, but also of our joys. Anyone with a cesarean scar can tell you that truth. But if we look at them like Thomas did in that week following Easter, they only tell half the story. They will tell all of the stupid things we did, all the things we did in anger or in sadness. They will tell of the heroic things we did, like donating a kidney or having a baby, but that isn't all. Truth is that when we collected each and every scar, we weren't alone. There, beyond our senses, beyond our perceptions, there was Jesus with us, comforting us with his scarred hands at that very moment. Perhaps we can look anew at even our scars from here on out, not be ashamed of them, but know that Jesus has wiped away all our tears. He has comforted us in all of our sorrows. Our scars tell a story of how he has been with us through it all. And his scars tell us a story of Easter joy. He is risen. Amen. Hallelujah.